from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Yesterday, I started this show by saying it would be absolutely irresponsible for the Jets to not send a private plane stacked with cash directly to Derek Carr right now. But what if I told you there's a team that needs him even more, that should send a bigger jet with even more money right now? Because hear me, if Derek Carr were the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, they'd win the damn Super Bowl. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. I know it's a big day in golf. All you golf fanatics out there, Tiger Woods tees off the Genesis Invitational at 3.04 Eastern. He's playing with two-time major champion Justin Thomas, four-time major winning winner Rory McIlroy. Uh, there's group coverage, including Tiger, available on ESPN+. Plus. We will tell you about that all day. But Harry, I got to tell you right now, if the 49ers had Derek Carr as their quarterback, they'd win the Super Bowl. And I have no idea why they haven't already sent whatever it takes, flowers, chocolates, Valentine's Day pictures, you up text, naughty pictures. I don't care. You send whatever it takes to get Derek Carr to come over to your team right damn now. Well, I don't think they can send naughty pictures. That's that's a thing to look, to put, look down upon nowadays. Okay. 2023. So we exclude that part. But I agree with Gonna you. Going to delete the text I was about to send you. Go ahead. Yeah, you you have to delete that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to see that little stuff on my phone. <laughs> but I will say this. Excuse me. You, t- you, you talk about the San Francisco 49ers, who last year had the number one defense, and we've seen in the game against the San against the Philadelphia Eagles, it was atrocious because. The, the quarterback play, the quarterback position. You look at every other area on that football team, whether it's offensive line, wide receiver, running backs, tight ends, linebackers, defensive line, safety. Uh, I, I'll even take their corners too. The one Achilles heel right now that everyone has question marks on is the quarterback position. And is it going to be Brock Purdy next year? He happens to have a um, UCL injury, so let's pause on that one. Is it going to be Trey Lance this year? Literally has not played – football in three years a full season so still question marks there so if you have a Derek Carr that is familiar with the Bay Area because he was there with the Oakland Raiders when they were in Oakland why not try to go get him you know you are a quarterback away from basically holding the Lombardi trophy go out there put some pressure on a lot of other these teams in the National Football League not just in the NFC but in the AFC as well, and try to go get a Derek Carr. Sometimes I don't mind an overreaction, too. Like, I understand that it would be easy to say the 49ers picking up Derek Carr's an overreaction. But hear me out. When you were just sitting where you were in the playoffs, playing with the fourth-string quarterback, and yet again, for yet another year, your chances at a Super Bowl are absolutely crushed because you don't have a quarterback, it's okay to overreact. How many years in a row can you get so close where your quarterback costs you opportunity before you finally just have to say, look, maybe Trey Lance is the guy, but come on, we got to do better, and we got to bring better to the quarterback position. If the 49ers were to do that, they would immediately become the favorite. We all know if Vegas did that, bam, right away, we would see the odds change. Like This, to me, is so simple. If you're San Francisco, you don't have to treat things the way everybody else does. You are right in the middle of a moment, and that moment has to eventually end in a Super Bowl, and this guy, Derek Carr, would make you more likely to win that Super Bowl right now. Let's make some Something complicated, simple. Go get you a quarterback. 
Well, for San Francisco, since 2019, it has been the same story. Same story, same song, right? The quarterback position. We watching the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo not be able to make the throw and propel San Francisco to a win. We watched last year Kyle Shanahan tailor things back, you know, because he didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo 100%. We, we seen him in the NFC Championship game not be able to make the throws that he was, he was capable of making, and the Los Angeles Rams went to the Super Bowl and went on to win it. We seen this year, after having a number one defense and then going into the playoffs, and a lot of people were very, very high on your football team, Brock Purdy gets hurt. The next thing you know, Josh Johnson gets hurt. But that was the fourth quarterback this season that got hurt. <laughs> so at some point, you have to address this the right way. Now, they tried to do it within the draft and going up and uh, taking Trey Lance. He's been injured his entire career. So w- w- what are your other options? There's only one Achilles heel that's hurting this football team right now, and that's the quarterback position. Yeah, and, and I know every time I mention Derek Carr, people want to make it out like I've got some bias to it because I'm a Raiders fan and have watched so much Derek Carr. Again, I will remind the world that two things can be true. Like Derek Carr and the Raiders had to end their time together. Derek Carr can be a very good quarterback that's you know capable of winning games somewhere else, and I believe that's what he is. But also, all he has to do, like they always say, you know what? If we're in the if we're in the the forest, you and me, if Harry Douglas, me, Evan, and Devin, the whole show staff, if we're in the forest and we're hanging out, and a bear comes running after us. I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just got to be faster than Evan. Like, at this point, I'm just going (laughs) to shove Evan down to the ground, and I'm going to try and run my way through this. Derek Carr doesn't have to be better than Aaron Rodgers. He just has to be better than whatever their option could be when they're sitting there looking at what they might have at quarterback. And and miss me with the conversation about Trey Lance being the guy. He's played eight games over the last two years. We have no idea. The one thing you will say about Derek Carr is that he's constantly been dependable. He doesn't miss a lot of football. Football games due to injury. So, you know, you get somebody that's reliable that you know can actually step on the field. And Harry, somebody that is a very good quarterback. He didn't have a good year, but Derek Carr is still a good quarterback in my Well, can mind. I touch on that a little bit? Please because do, yes. I understand that Derek Carr didn't have a good season last year, right? He wasn't comfortable in that, in that, in that offense. I literally, before our show started, text someone that I played wide receiver with, who I view as being very, very intelligent, one of the smartest players I played around. I texted him, I literally I asked, I said, when you went to New England, how was that offensive system? He said, most definitely the most complex offense I've ever been in in my life. And he's a very high intelligent guy. So I don't want to hear anything about, okay, Jared Stenham had to help Derek Carr with the offense. A lot of people need help within that offensive system when they go into it because it's multiple offenses put into one. There's a lot of variables that comes to it. So, yes, you're going to have some, you know, some kinks that you have to iron out within the offense throughout the season. And Derek Carr never felt comfortable in that offense. But it's okay because he's not alone. He wasn't the only one. And I won't say I won't just say New England Patriot history, but in history period that has went to that New England system and had struggled a little bit. Yeah, and that's part of one one of the challenges of Josh McDaniels. We're going to have show beef now, though, because uh, they put it up on our screen. There's a video from a few years ago with me uh, uh, at the time with uh, the, the morning uh, folks. Uh, I was challenged to run the 40-yard dash, and uh, I got out there and I put myself out there. Look, I got tight hips. You know, my running form might not be the greatest, but uh, I'm in pretty good shape right now. So, Evan, <laughs> it, I just said all I got to do is outrun Evan. Evan, whenever, whenever you want, on any notice, whenever you want to go back to that same field, 
We'll line it up. Have you, me, and some cameras decide how we're going to run a 40-yard dash. I am in on taking you on whenever you want, however you want. In fact, on a 40-yard dash, I think I'd be comfortable giving you a five-yard head start, and I'd still whoop your butt. Okay, let's do it, because uh, until then, you're just going to watch this the entire show, and you're not going to get any of the okay. reads or anything. <laughs> That's, fair. So, That's fair. So you're just going to watch this the whole time. Good luck hosting a three-hour radio show watching yourself oh run. My God. You, know what? Not my, you know what? You've got, got some my... tight-ass hips, man. you got to do some yoga. Let, let me look. No, I tried. <laughs> I tried hot yoga for a year of my life. I tried mm. all that. T- like I got tight hips, tight lower back. I even went to like physical therapy as they tried to help my, my hips. And finally, a physical therapist, after like six months of physical therapy, three times a week, guy just looked at me. He's like, man, I, I, I don't know. It's genetics. I, I know what you need to do. Because I wasn't flexible until I started doing a lot of yoga, but I do a lot of dry needling. You got to get your psoads. It's right here, uh, connected to almost like your groin area, a little <gasps> bit more to the outside. Oh my you god! You got to get your psoads dry needled, bro. Okay, so I, so I have this, some things up. I, I I go sometimes to a sports therapist to help with my hips because they get so tight. And I always call them my He-Man joints. Remember He-Man toys? Like you know how yeah. they're like like if you just like ever pop the leg off a of He-Man, like that's the part that's always tight and hurts on me. My He-Man joints always hurt. He's stolen that now, and he's like. He tells that to all his clients. Can I get dry needling in my He-Man joints? Like that's that's <laughs> needles close to my no-no places. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. But you're you're talking me into this. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna find a place locally that does dry needling. This is this is what life has come to. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance for a job you'll love. Visit progressive.com slash careers. There's no easy way for me to transition from dry needling my growing, uh, but uh, maybe that's what it's gonna take. In the meantime, the Derek Carr conversation is interesting because He's always been part of this talk about the Jets. Now we've made him part of the talk about the 49ers, but we all know the Jets need a, need a quarterback. The thing is, everybody's making it about Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carter, the Jets, but everybody's getting it wrong. There's a quarterback that we're leaving out that ranks above all of them on the Jets' wish list. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Raiders released quarterback Derek Carr ahead of the deadline where $40 million of his contracts guaranteed. 2021, Derek Carr midseason was an MVP candidate. I just love the beauty of him being a free and clear free agent. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Raiders released quarterback Derek Carr ahead of the deadline where $40 million of his contracts guaranteed. In 2021, Derek Carr midseason was an MVP candidate. I just love the beauty of him being a free and clear free agent. Like the opportunity to be courted, to make a decision based on where you think you can win right away, but also get compensated. Now he'll get a chance to find a team that matches, but also wants him to be on that team. I think this is great for Derek Carr. It's hard to judge a quarterback position based on just one year. There's no doubt Derek Carr did not have a great year last year. But we've seen good from Carr in the past. And that leads a lot of people, myself included, to think that the Jets should absolutely be focusing right now on Derek Carr. The 49ers, as we open the show today, should be focusing right now on Derek Carr. But what if I told you there's another quarterback right now that the Jets could be looking at that isn't named Carr, and frankly, 
isn't named Aaron Rodgers. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, again, don't want anyone to forget. Tiger Woods tees off the Genesis Invitational, 3.04 p.m. Eastern. So listen to every single second of our show, and then exactly four minutes after we are done, you can then run to the TV, and you can turn the TV on. Tiger playing with two-time major champ Justin Thomas and four-time major winner Rory McIlroy. I always have to slow down when I say Rory McIlroy. McElroy. Uh, there's feature group coverage, including Tiger, available for you today on ESPN+. Plus. You don't want to miss it. Also, you don't want to miss what's happening with the quarterback carousel because, Harry, there's one name that we should keep in mind that everybody's not talking about for the Jets. Peter King, Football Morning in America, was on the Rich Eisen show today and said this about what the Jets will do at the quarterback position. Listen to it because it involves a name we haven't even brought up yet today. We all think, and I think you think, that the number one step would be Aaron Rodgers. If that doesn't work, could the number two step be Lamar Jackson? I think the Jets are going to have a very tough decision Mm. on their hands. And, you know, I think they will go after Rodgers if he does play. And if they don't get him, I think they will at least uh, put their sniffers out and and seriously consider Lamar Jackson. Harry, would you love that for the for the Jets organization? Yeah, yeah I think it, I think it'll be phenomenal. Here's the thing, though, for for their organization, they have to have multiple plans in place, Fitz. And I don't just think it's two of them. They got to have plan A, B, C, and D. That's how close I think this football team is is being to being very 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 good more so than they were last year they are a quarterback away so I don't I just don't think they can have you know Aaron Rodgers go go after him or Derek Hard try to get him I think it has to be at least four different plans that they have in place to try to acquire a quarterback to match and complement the rest of their football team because I think the rest of the guys that that are on their football team are at that level to where they can do some uh, special things. If the Jets go in to this season with the same quarterbacks on the roster that they have right now, somebody somewhere's on the hot seat if not already fired. Like, there's no way that the organization's going to be pleased with that. There's no way Woody Johnson's going to be pleased with that. And I just keep thinking about, you know, you know me. Like, I'm I'm pushing up my glasses at this point saying, well, actually, guys, like, I'm putting full logic hat on. I, I know that. But there's a very logical process to me that says uh, there's a very good chance in my mind that Aaron Rodgers either decides he's going to retire or if he decides he's not going to retire, then you have to deal with the variables of the Packers, what they want, what would a trade look like. I think that's very complicated, right? When I look at Lamar Jackson, one of two things is likely to happen. They're either going to non-exclusive franchise tag him or they're going to exclusive franchise tag him. If they non-exclusive franchise tag him, that means anybody can negotiate with him and all they have to do if they sign him, the the Ravens would get the chance to match. And uh, if they don't match, then the team that signs him would have to give up two first-round draft picks. Two first-round draft picks in a world where we have 12 or 13 teams desperate for a quarterback is nothing to pay for Lamar Jackson. So, like, if the Ravens are stupid enough to non-exclusive franchise tag him, and I do think that would be a stupid decision, there are several teams that I could see coming in offering him historic, fully guaranteed money you know the Ravens won't match that will be glad to give up two first-rounders to get not only a quarterback but a former MVP and a billboard they can put up on their, on their stadium to help sell tickets. Yeah, and you look at the offensive weapons that they do have. Now, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is as young as those guys, but Lamar Jackson is still young. And 
those skill position group players, along with Lamar Jackson, they can grow together and they can potentially grow into something that's special. Right, because it's going to be a while before you know a few of those guys are actually up for contracts. You talk about Brees Hall, you talk about um, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and all those guys. And then you look on the flip side of things, uh, Sauce Gardner. It's going to be a while before those guys come up contract wise. So you want to maximize as much as you can while you still have those guys on their rookie deals. But but also, Harry, it's going to be an uncomfortable bidding war. Like, uh, just hear me out on this. If you're Mark Davis and you're sitting around saying, "Man," I want to win football games right now. And I got Darren Waller and I got Hunter Renfro and I got Devontae Adams. I, I need a quarterback. And then you turn around and say, well, here's here's Lamar. He's available for two first round picks. Then you can turn around and I mean, yeah. You, so what? You got to give up $350 million in fully guaranteed money. I don't really care about Mark's money. I don't think uh, most of these billionaires <laughs> are worried about writing that type of check. Like, I also don't think Mark is sitting there saying, well, what about the injuries? Like, you, you've got to look at it at some point organizationally and say, you know what? No, Lamar Jackson will not only make us good, he'll make us relevant. He all of a sudden, he's a big splash. And we live in a big, big splash world when it comes to quarterbacks. Like, I think there are several. You want to tell me the Jim Irsay? Wouldn't look around and say, you know what? Oh, I'd like to have Lamar. Like, there's an immediate sort of tip of the cap respect that's going to come to whatever team has him. There, there will be a massive bidding war if he's non-exclusive franchise tagged. But I, but I think the teams that have the most leverage in that situation are the teams that can provide better first-round draft picks, or you know, the first-round draft picks projected in the future would be a greater one for the Baltimore Ravens, more so than a team that they feel like is going to be upper echelon and be in the hunt for things uh, the next two years or the next two or three years, and then those draft picks in the first round become uh, in in the late 20s or in the 30s. So I think teams that – you know, or or are still struggling right now. I think they have a more so of an upside of getting Lamar Jackson and trading for him because the draft picks could be better. Well, and and there's going to be this moment, and, and this is what we're going to know when free agency starts. I honestly believe the market on Lamar Jackson from teams that are in need of a quarterback is going to tell us a lot about the quarterback evaluation of the kids in the draft this year. Because if you are the Raiders or you are the Colts or you are the Panthers, you're a team that desperately needs a quarterback and you don't make a push for Lamar, what you're telling the world in part is that you're comfortable sitting in the draft and taking one of the top four quarterbacks instead of Lamar. I don't know where you would fall on that, Harry, but at least that's the logic in my mind. Like If the Panthers are sitting there saying, I'm not willing to give up two first-round picks for Lamar, they better be damn sure that whoever they have the opportunity to get in the draft can be their quarterback quarterback moving forward otherwise it's stupid to take that level of risk and, and that's another piece of the puzzle Fitz that you bring up right um do, do that do those teams feel comfortable with the guys that they're planning on drafting or the potential guys that are, are, are planning on being drafted not just this year but the following year as well right the next two years versus having a guy in Lamar Jackson who's already won an MVP who's already proven that you know he can carry a franchise and be the face of a franchise and you don't have the off the field issues do you bank on a guy in Lamar Jackson or do you bank on a guy in the draft that we don't even know has panned out yet yeah that's the hard part here is it the amount of I keep saying this but the amount of trust that every organization is going to have for a bunch of guys we don't know. The people in their scouting department, you are genuinely going to have to sit down and ask your scouts difficult questions about the upcoming classes because, frankly, the quarterback situation, we are in a weird world where there just are too many holes and not enough qualified quarterbacks. We ask this every year. 
Are the Kansas City Chiefs actually in the best position to repeat in a long time? God, this is why I drink. We're going to break it down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. In the 2022 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select George Karloftis, defensive end, Purdue. I'm nice up, but yeah, still. Shotgun this time for Burrow. Looking left, he's being attacked from behind, he's sacked again. Karloftis, the rookie. The Chiefs are passing these sacks around like Skittles. Indescribable, you can't, I can't even put it into words, man. It just, you get emotional even thinking about it. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. I'm a Super Bowl champion now, so I, I couldn't be more fortunate to be in this position, really. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection. We got another one to win next year, too, man, so we're going to enjoy it for a little bit, and then we're back to work. One zero six five, the Wolf on the call there. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel. Lady Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry and I work, as I've told you many times over the last couple of weeks. We work on the draft every year for NFL, uh, for ESPN, for our digital shows. Last year, over ten million people watch our draft broadcast. Really proud of what we do there. Every year, as a Raiders fan. The camera's right in my face when the Raiders pick. I have to deal with that. It's always terrible. But the other terrible part of it is when you know somebody, you watch a lot of college football on that happens to be really, really stinking good, goes to, you know, your rival. And that happened last year when we watched Purdue's George Karloftis go to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just remember sitting there looking at Field Yates sitting next to me at the time saying, son of a biscuit. That's not the word I said, but that's how we'll say it here. And it turned out that uh, prognostication was true there because coming off of a great rookie year, he joins us now, George Karloftis from the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, congratulations on a Super Bowl run. Really incredible to watch what you got to go through in your rookie year. How was the parade? Just give us a sense of what it was like for you. Hey, man. Thank you guys for having me, man. You know, blessed to be here. Blessed to be in this position, man. Uh, Parade was crazy. Uh, Probably half or probably more than half of the entire city of uh, Kansas City showed out. I think they said six or 700,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. And it was uh, it's, it's wild, if not more than, than one can imagine. You know, it was uh, unfor- unforgettable is probably the best word to put it. And, George, I got to let you know, my man, your life has changed forever. In front of your name, it's going to read Super Bowl champion George Karloftis. Uh, and tell me, how, how has the last week been for you, my man? How crazy has it been? You know, we, you know, this past week, you know, we one week ago exactly, you know, we were in Arizona preparing for the game, and you know that that in and of itself is a is a strange week because you're in uh, in a neutral site and you're at a hotel and you got whole whole bunch of things going on, so you're not a, in your normal routine. And then play the game, we win, and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, we just won the Super Bowl. So uh, just like you said, my life changed forever. Uh, I haven't gotten much sleep. Since that moment, uh, even now that it's Thursday, uh, but th- just like I said before, I'm, I'm blessed to be in this position, to be a part of a, such a great organization, have great teammates. Uh, you know, so not a lot of sleep, uh, a lot of enjoyment, a lot of partying, a lot of laughs, and, uh, you know, just spending it with the, with the guys, the people I love. 
We're talking to George Karloftis from the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and George, I always think it's interesting when you're talking to rookies about this sort of change that happens. A year ago right now, you're getting ready for the draft. Now you're a Super Bowl champion. Was there sort of a holy cow, I made it moment for you that stands out in your memory of your rookie season? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I made it. You know, uh, you know. Obviously, I knew. I, I always had a, a tremendous amount of uh, confidence in myself. You know, from the moment I started playing football, really, and you know that, that never wavers and that never changes. Uh, you know, I'm, I might, I might say, oh my gosh, yeah, I made it. You know, when I'm done playing the game, you know, and I accomplish all the goals I've set out to accomplish. But you know, just uh, for me, and you know, being a, being a part of such a great organization, just like I said before. It's just about what's next. And, you know, during the season, you're so focused on next week and next week and next week until you get to the Super Bowl. Once you win the Super Bowl, then you're like, oh, like, oh my goodness, like we won the Super Bowl. We're Super Bowl champions. Uh, you know, so just coming to terms with that and realizing that that's the reality of the, the situation and, and not too many people get to experience this feeling and that, that kind of success is, uh, is incredible. Just uh, I'm, I'm super fortunate to, to be able to call myself a Super Bowl champion and you know, to have that legacy not only for myself, but for this team and my teammates. George, your college coach at Purdue, Jeff Brom, also coached me when I was at Louisville a long time ago. And I literally texted him before, right. you came, before you came on. I said, we're about to have George on. Give me something I can talk about. Give me something funny. He wrote back, great kid. I will have to think about it. That lets me know Coach Brom loves you. How did he help you get to this point? Oh, my gosh. Coach. Well, first of all, Coach Brom is like the biggest football guy ever. You know, lives it. He lives it. You know, he sleeps and breathes this thing. So uh, he's a football guy. Just for him to say something like that, you know, he he's not a man of too many words, and you know, he doesn't really uh, show his emotions too much unless it's game day. You know, uh, Coach Brom is phenomenal. You know, he gave me every opportunity I could uh, to succeed. You know, he helped me to reach this point. By uh, you know, obviously he didn't directly coach me, you know, because he's not my position coach. But he he allowed me to be in, in positions to succeed, provided me with the best position coaches I could have asked for, teams, uh, and you know, was always there for me, you know. And that uh, that went for all the teammates I had at Purdue, and I'm sure he's doing the same now that he's back at Louisville. Just you know, him, his family, they just uh, helped me out so much, and I, I I love them like my own family, man. So Coach Brown, great human being, uh, great coach, and. Uh, for, for me, it's been a phenomenal influence in my life. So, George, walk me back to the Super Bowl. Take me to halftime because, obviously, in the second half, a lot of conversation about y'all's ability to take away some of the things Philly was doing in the second half. What did you guys talk about yeah. at halftime that made the difference? You know, for us, you know, I felt like for first half, that wasn't really us. You know, and uh, <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't really feel like us too much. You know, we were making dumb mistakes, you know, to put it at that. You know, we were – you know, all the things that we said, we can't let this hurt us from their game, hurt us in the first half. So we're like, we're not going to make any major adjustments. We're just going to do what we're, what we're good at and what we've practiced all week and just be more disciplined and play harder and go win the same thing. And, th- and th- th- that's what we did. Uh, you know, I, I didn't hear the offense and what they had to say, but I'm sure it was some similar. Uh, you know, I think there's more adjustments on their side of the ball. Uh, but for us, it's just about executing. You know, we... We had right calls, and, you know, we, were, we probably could have communicated better in that first half. But just, you know, take a deep breath, relax. You know, we have a lot of young guys on the defense, including myself. So just take a deep breath, relax, 
get back in, zone in, zone in on the game, and just uh, you know go out there and win. And that's what we did. We just executed. George, last one before we let you go. You show up in Kansas City. You know, when y'all go ones-on-ones, offense versus defense, you're going against Patrick Mahomes. Tell everyone what that's like, going against Patrick Mahomes every day in practice. Well, yeah, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing for me, you know, aside from Patrick, is get, you know, going up against great offensive tackles like Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. You know, those guys really help me get better. And, you know, during the season, you don't go ones-on-ones too much. Uh, but, you know, when you go up against guys like, like those two that I just mentioned, you know, they, they, they really get you better and they really prepare you for the season and all the big, great offensive tackles that play in the league. You know, and, and Patrick, you know, he always keeps you on your toes. You know, for me, it was uh, dropping in coverage was new for me. You know, so whenever I had to drop into coverage, you know, he, he uh, kept me honest to put me at that, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, just presents a whole bunch of challenges because he could run the ball, he could throw the ball at any point in time and anywhere he wants on the field. Uh, you know, and it makes it look easy a lot of the time. You know, so just uh, there's not there's not anything really like there, like him out there. Uh, so just going up against practice, you know, prepares you for what you're going to face uh, in the league. You know, and, and sometimes you know our offense to be really really good, and you know sometimes you know it, it feels like we've already seen uh, you know that level of intensity in practice. So uh, you know just from the offensive line to the receivers, the running backs, and even Patrick, you know, we're, we're just preparing for what we're going to see on Sunday. George, I can't say congrats enough, man. To be where you are, uh, it, it's it's amazing to watch you play. I loved watching you play in college. Love watching you kick butt. Just take it easy on the Raiders twice a year. That's all I'm asking, man. Just make my life a little easier. Just miss it. Other than that, just keep crushing it. Just be, be kind to my Raiders. We appreciate your time, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, and, and no, no being kind to the Raiders, but I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> oh, man, I tried. All right, you can't, you can't blame the effort, Harry. You can't blame the effort. Uh, by the way, from the rise and from the Super Bowl to NBA All-Star Weekend and NBA All-Stars Weekend starts tomorrow night with the NBA Rising Stars game presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. He just talked about Patrick Mahomes. Fact is, Patrick Mahomes is just getting started winning Super Bowls. We'll tell you why. God, I need a drink. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. I told y'all at the beginning of the week, there's nothing that's going to keep me off that football field. It's the best feeling in the world, man. Everything we work for is for this moment. You have to enjoy this moment. I mean, if there was any doubters left, there shouldn't be now. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. champions of Super Bowl 57. You're in the Super Bowl. You can worry about uh, getting it healthy in the offseason, so I, I just kind of fought through and we were able to win the game. It's the best feeling in the world, man. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't know how many I got left, but uh, I'm sure going to cherish this one forever. Everything we work for is for this moment. You have to enjoy this moment. You can't you can't let the moment overtake you. I wanted this one more than I, than I ever wanted a game ever in my life. I mean, if there was any doubters left, there shouldn't be now. 106.5 The Wolf on the call. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm done doubting the Chiefs. Ever. 
Maybe I'm just so, at this point, so hurt by the way this has all gone down year after year as a Raiders fan that I've just, I've lost, Harry, the ability to feel. I, like, football used to be fun. Now it's just me watching the Chiefs win the AFC West every year. That's that's my uh, That's my legacy at this point. But here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes says they are just getting started. He said this. Ooh. He said this about rebuilding at the parade. The AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm be honest with you. I don't know what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world champs. We're world champs. I just want to let y'all know that this is just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I'm screwed. That's, hey, that's that, my take hey, on this. I'm done. Just, 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 just stick a fork in football for the next I, decade. I, I, I'm laughing because you know you have a few, you get a few drinks in you, man. You just go to saying stuff, don't you? Now he has every right to say what he's saying. I, my thing is, is that normally we see the cool, calm, relaxed Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is feeling good right now, rightfully so. But just remember, there are going to be a lot of people. Gunning for them next year. A lot. Sure. I mean, like, I'm gunning to outrun Harry Douglas. That's cute. It ain't going to happen. Like, everybody's gunning for him. But, my God, when you got goggles Mahomes out there, like, you know, and in my mind, I don't know this, but in my mind, that was two beers in Mahomes. Like, I just feel like he's he's definitely, you know, like he's a lightweight (laughs) in the party category. He's out there. He had two beers. He he moves the goggles, and all of a sudden he's slurring his words. See, see, I, I, I expect Travis Kelsey to talk like that. I'm not accustomed to seeing Patrick Mahomes, you know what I'm saying, talk that way and and, and the way I seen him at the parade. I'm just not used to it. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair, but it just shows you that, and again, like, I'm not sure how many people, there were some, myself included, that were doubting the Chiefs coming into this year. I've admitted I was wrong. I don't think that there was this big national narrative that the Chiefs were just left for dead, but this is what athletes do. You know this better than anybody. You find that little bit of possible naysayer, like, the an athlete's ability to find the, well, it might be a difficult year for them, and turn it into, nobody believed in us when we building oh that's part of what makes a great athlete great and that's part of what makes Mahomes the the, the death of my football existence for the next decade well bro I always said if Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs they're always going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl they're always going to be able to contend because that's just how damn good Patrick Mahomes is at that position um, you also have Travis Kelsey who's not going anywhere anytime soon so as long as you have those two along with Andy Reid you're going to always be in the mix I reached the point over the years where I just stopped doubting Tom Brady. And I just realized that every year Brady was going to make it to the Super Bowl. That was just the fair presumption. I'm honestly at that point because, you know, to the point of what's around. And and look, there are some very good quarterbacks. And when you have a great quarterback, when you have an epic quarterback, when you have a top five quarterback in the NFL, you got a shot. So it's easy for me to look at and say the Bills have a shot. The Bengals have a shot. uh, Whoever ends up with Lamar Jackson has a shot. There are a group of quarterbacks. I, I think Justin Herbert is a very, very good quarterback and has a chance to be that type of guy for a long time. So there's a handful of quarterbacks in the AFC that might every once in a while be able to turn this thing up on its head, but I just can't imagine a season right now, barring injury, where the Chiefs aren't essentially always in this conversation for the next decade. So I understand why they got a little bit of swagger, like because there isn't a act like you've, uh, like, uh, appreciate this. You never know when you'll get back for Kansas City. For Kansas City, it's just like, nope, we know the process. We know exactly how to do this. We know how to maximize it. We know how to make the most of it. We know how to party at the parade because we've done this before. Like, it just hits different for them right now. I, I, I'm thinking about Patrick Mahomes' father right now, and 
I, I know exactly how he feels because, you know, I was fortunate enough to have my father in my life and me and my brother and my sister, and uh, he was there for everything that we did sports-wise. And to see Patrick Mahomes' father, uh, a former Major League Baseball player, and for him to be able to witness his son do the things that he's able to do, I know he's feeling so great right now, and I love every bit of it because it's something that we need to get used to seeing. It is sustainable, and I think that's what we can all say right now. Like For all the conversation about greatness and, and where greatness is going to go, what we now know is that the Chiefs are sustainable. If they're able to go through a year where suddenly they are paying Patrick Mahomes, if they're able to go through a year where they don't have Tyreek Hill, if they're able to go through a year where they have a bunch of guys on the offensive and defensive side of the ball that maybe weren't getting a lot of credit to go a year right now, if they're able to do all of that and sit at the top of the hill, the biggest thing that they've told the NFL and fans, analysts, everybody around the league is that we are going to be sustainably great. And that is something that very few franchises in NFL history can say. You have to get to that moment where you've got the right combo of all the right important pieces. San Francisco did it at one point in the 90s, right? Like the Patriots did it for 17 years and we thought we'd never see anything like it again. I think we're seeing that level of consistency simply because the major pieces right there aren't going anywhere. And as long as you have those major pieces, no matter what everybody else does, Sean Payton can be with the Broncos. Justin Herbert can take some dramatic step forward. Maybe the Raiders shock the world and get an all-time great at quarterback somehow, some way this year. They will all still be picked second in the West next year because, frankly, no matter what they do, they won't on paper be better than Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. But it's all about structure, and it starts at the top from the Hunt family to Veach as a GM to Andy Reid. All the people that I just mentioned, you talk about the word consistency, and they embody that. And then it trickles down to the rest of the players and your leader on the football field and Patrick Mahomes. He's been consistent since he became a starter five years ago. So consistency, consistency, but also being able to have that structure at the top because that's where everything starts at within organizations. Don't forget Tiger Woods tees off in the Genesis Invitational at 3.04 p.m. Eastern with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. You can get feature group coverage, including Tiger, available on ESPN+. Plus. You do not want to miss that after our show. Coming up, the one non-quarterback who can take a team from contender to pretender this offseason. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 